This is Kate Moorhead Carroll in the podcast, Find It. Today I'm going to be talking to you, the first in a series, about the meaning and purpose of worship. I recently led a retreat, an instructed Eucharist, for our worship leaders, our ushers, our acolytes, chalice ministers. For those of you listening who are not Christian or unfamiliar with these terms, The people who help run the service on Sunday, basically, some of them wear robes and some do not. We spent the morning together on a Saturday between nine and noon. I did three lectures and they broke out into groups according to their function. By the end of the morning, a number of them were telling me they wanted me to do more of this and that I ought to make recordings or publish or live stream or something. So these podcasts are in response to the request to make this information more widely known, more palatable, not just for those who serve in worship, but for those who attend worship or perhaps are just pondering attending. My first memory of a sacred space um, occurred when I was about four years old. I grew up in New Haven, Connecticut, And my mother is a concert pianist and a composer. My mother had somehow arranged to practice the pipe organ at Trinity Church on the Green in New Haven, Connecticut. She came bringing me with her and it was evening. Trinity is a beautiful stone church that sits on the green in downtown New Haven with high vaulted ceilings and marble floors. It is just a spectacular, majestic space. I don't remember coming inside or her turning on the lights, but I remember that the lights were on only in the chancel area where she was practicing the organ. And I was set free. I ran down the aisles in my socks and slid on the marble aisles. I hid in the pews, I played. And I sensed the presence of something beyond words. The presence of what the liturgy calls that peace that passes all understanding. Something so large, so safe, and yet so powerful. I was free to play in this majestic numinous container of beauty and art. It was a great gift to be introduced to the church in this way and to be free to play. This is why to this day I love it when children play in the church. I love it when they play hide and seek in the pews. I love it when they climb in the pulpit and pretend to preach. I I love it when they search the sanctuary for dragons in the stained glass windows. I believe Jesus would want children to be free to play in church and not to be shushed or silenced, but to feel safe and free at the same time. From the beginning of recorded history, human beings have set aside sacred spaces in which to encounter the divine. Across all religions, this is the case. 
These spaces have often been made with great care, with great reverence. In the Middle Ages, cathedrals would be built over the course of hundreds of years, sometimes never entirely completed. People, stonemasons, would work on a cathedral and spend their entire lifetime doing so and never see its completion. There was a sense of being part of something much greater. A sense of pouring the best of our architectural and artistic vision into these places. Who could possibly house the Almighty? How is that even possible? But we could make places where we invite the Holy One to dwell. Spaces set apart, designed to draw you into a sense of awe and wonder. One thing that saddens me in the year 2023 is that, at least in this country, very few sanctuaries are being built in any of our religions. And many of our sanctuaries are beginning to crumble. Preservation is so important. New churches that are built tend to be built somewhat like strip malls or movie theaters without that beautiful artistic component. So it is so important that we preserve and maintain the sanctuaries that were built in decades past or centuries past. The cathedral where I serve was originally built in 1834, but burned to the ground in the Civil War, then built again and burned to the ground in the great fire which swept through Jacksonville in 1901, built again and completed in 1906. A beautiful stone edifice that stands on top of this little hill we call Billy Goat Hill. It's actually the highest point in Jacksonville, but Florida's so flat it's hard to notice, especially now with the skyscrapers around us that dwarf the cathedral. But its beauty nonetheless is majestic. When you enter a sanctuary that is Christian and in a liturgical tradition, such as Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Anglican, Lutheran, the church will always face east, which is where the sun rises because we worship the Son of God. The church will be built in the shape of a cross with one long nave and transepts on either side. And often as you look up at the ceiling, the ceiling will look like the ark, like Noah's ark. You see, we believe that in worship we transcend time, we travel into the arms of God, into a time beyond time, Kairos time, God's time, where eternity cuts down into the present moment and we're present with those who have gone before us and those who will come after us. That in the moment of the Holy Eucharist, when we break bread together, we are truly present with God who is I am. And we lift ourselves up out of the mundane busyness of our lives and into something so much more. Part of the reason why beautiful sanctuaries are important is to set aside a place where we can live without busyness, without worry, without distraction. Many of the liturgical churches have a small room before you enter the main sanctuary. This is called the narthex. I like to think of it as a spiritual mudroom. 
when I was growing up in Connecticut, we would often have this small room between the outside and the inside of a house where you could stomp the snow off your feet or wipe your feet, take off your boots and coat and hat and hang them up. This kind of a mudroom served as a transition space between the chaos and cold of outside and the warmth and tenderness of the home. In the same way, the narsex is supposed to be a place where we cast aside our worries, our distractions, our misdeeds, or the troubles that consume our minds. We set them aside. We clean our hearts so that we may enter the holy space and be truly present with the Almighty. In the opening prayer of the Holy Eucharist, we say, keep our hearts open and our minds open. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. We ask God that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Every single Sunday we say that same, what we call collect for purity, asking God to cleanse us so that we may be fully present in the moment. For we are such a distracted people and technology only adds to our distraction. We are so frantic and busy that our minds have trouble settling. We have trouble cleaning our minds. Like bugs on a windshield, we are peppered with thoughts and distractions constantly and we have to wipe our minds clean constantly. Worship and meditation take practice. We are encouraged to attend worship every Sunday or more, believing that week after week, month after month, year after year, like water dripping on a rock, our souls and minds will be shaped by that worship. We will be brought into that peace that passes all understanding. But it doesn't happen right away, and it's not instantaneous. It's not like a drive through fast food meal. The Eucharist is much different acting gradually over time and space so that one day years of practicing result in a sense of awe and wonder, a presence, a joy that we cannot control, cannot predict, but is gifted to us in the practice of worship itself. Sanctuaries, places of worship, are really containers, places of safety. That's why practical things like the air conditioning are so important. Practical things like good ushers, which will help navigate someone who may be disruptive out of the sanctuary, but, but kindly getting them a cup of coffee and helping them. Or the screaming child who we love and want to be part of the community, but nevertheless may need to go to the nursery and have his diaper changed or her diaper changed. Maintaining that sense of community, but yet also protecting, protecting that, that precious silence that can be found in a sanctuary, a silence that is more and more rare in our day-to-day -day lives. Elijah, when he went up the mountain and listened for God, he didn't hear God in the storm or in the wind, but he heard God in what the King James calls a still small voice. But the, the Hebrew, the better translation is, that Elijah heard God in the sound of eloquent silence. 
But if we are to experience this eloquent silence, we need a space in which that silence is protected from the distractions of the outside world. We need a sense of order. The ancient liturgies of the liturgical churches date all the way back to 100 AD, to Didache, a document, and Apollotus, a a theologian who, who recorded Christian worship, and it's basically the same. The reason why that structure is kept in that way is, again, to provide a container of safety, but also a profound encounter with the divine. But we must be able to feel safe in order to open our hearts and minds to this encounter which is why some people say our worship is a little bit boring or repetitive or predictable. Yes, it is, so that you can be not boring and not predictable, so that you can feel inspiration. Sanctuaries are also designed to remind you of God with all your senses, from the beauty of the stained glass to the smell of incense to the sound of music. All of your senses draw you towards the divine. And yes, you'll still be distracted. Mrs. McGillicuddy may be singing sharp behind you or someone that's annoyed you may be across the aisle. We still have to contend with distraction or annoyance, but the sanctuary is designed to help us draw back into relationship with God. Even the physical gestures from kneeling and standing, crossing yourself, all of these things are are not required at all. You can sit still and do nothing but they help you because when you move your body in worship, then your mind is drawn into that worship. It's another way of assisting the mind to come into contact with the divine. There is this mysterious encounter that happens in our worship when all these elements are in place and a person feels safe, their heart and mind is open that for a moment there Maybe to the sound of some beautiful music, that person will sense lifting beyond the self, entering the presence of something much more, touching eternity, if just for a moment, encountering God. And so we call them houses of worship because God lives in them. And we are most alive in them as well. Thank you for joining me in the podcast, Find It. Remember that if you keep searching for the divine presence, you will find it. I want to invite you, if you're interested in hearing more of these podcasts, to subscribe. Just hit the subscribe button and you will be informed of new episodes. And before we part ways, I pray that God will bless you and hold you, give you peace. Until we meet again.